the Science Witch Podcast, where we explore how science and witchcraft interact, intersect, and affirm one another. I am your co-host, Iris. And I'm your co-host, Angel. Welcome, y'all, to our ninth episode. Nine Today, episodes. I can't yay! believe it. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm very excited. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. And if this is your first time listening to our podcast, thank you and welcome. Today, we wanted to broach a topic that was inspired by the latest Netflix docuseries called Unwell, which is an unflinching examination of current wellness trends. Uh, The first episode was actually on essential oils, and while the episode seemed to do a good job about bringing up the inherent exploitation of multi-level marketing uh, companies such as um, doTERRA that have come to dominate this wellness trend as well as uh, some of the risks involved in the overuse of essential oils. We felt that there was a lack of information regarding the safe and responsible use of these essential oils beyond just what was shown which um, if you watch the show, they actually use it as an integral treatment uh, to help a girl who has autism be able to calm and self-soothe. But there wasn't really any other exploration beyond that. And then, of course, in the course of writing this episode, uh, cataclysmic wildfires erupted across the entire West Coast, and nearly one-tenth of the population of Oregon had to evacuate. And living through this has been really harrowing. Uh, So in this episode, we want to delve into this topic of essential oils and witchcraft, how to safely use essential oils in your practice, what scientific evidence supports the use of essential oils, and how to get essential oils without getting caught up in a multi-level marketing scam like the ones mentioned in that episode of Unwell. We also discuss the use of essential oils in cleansing the air of smoke and uh, basically some of the things to know if you had been using it. Thankfully, we are starting to see some of the smoke clear. Today was actually a really nice clear day. Oh, I've been so thankful for air, like in ways I never was thankful for air before because you just take it for granted and then you live a few days in a capitalist hellscape and then you're like, yeah, clean air. It's, it's really amazing. Got to be thankful for it. So, um, but yeah, before we get into this topic, we just wanted to kind of talk about our personal experiences in this latest cataclysm. It seems like every time we go to record a new episode, we have to talk about the latest uh, news worthy situation that has cropped up in our little area of the world. And now it's it's been the entire state of Oregon that these fires have just ravaged. And I, I mean, people who aren't here, I guess it's hard to kind of imagine the scale of which these fires just erupted. And it was so quick because it was like uh, Labor Day. And then really quickly, we had this wind event where all of this wind was coming in and there was a fire east of here in the Santiam Canyon that was that basically exploded and it incinerated so many 
beautiful parts of uh, that area, including Opal Creek Wilderness, which is where some of my favorite places in Oregon are. Um, it burned certain points of Brightonbush, which is a, a beautiful hot springs in that area. One of my favorite waterfalls, Shellburg Falls, which is very close to where I live, was completely burned. And it wasn't just like one isolated area, like in 2017 when the gorge burned. It was literally the entire state. Like Ashland had catastrophic fires that killed people. And then close to Eugene, there were fires in the Blue River. And there's just been so much devastation in just like every like different points of the time I've spent here in Oregon where I've gotten to travel around and see. And now knowing that that place is gone, like there was this sort of tour touristy Christmas treasure store in Blue Oregon or Blue River, Oregon, and it was completely destroyed by the fire. And it's just that the, the scale and the pervasiveness of these wildfires is, is just been really devastating. How about you, Iris? What has been your experience living through this? Yeah, it's very, very bizarre and very, uh, you know, heartbreaking. Like I, I was around when Mount St. Helens erupted and actually have some memory of it. And this is the closest thing to that, just because at that time, I remember it was like noon on a Sunday and the streetlights came on because there were just these roiling clouds of ash in the sky. And they just look like these very like angry clouds. And, you know, I think at that time, uh, um, you know, I unfortunately was, was in a very kind of like regressive um, kind of like religious, you know, like some might call it a cult, um, but like, and so, you know, I think there were aspects of my community that were just like, oh my God, is this the end of the world? Right. Because mm -hmm. it really, I mean, it was really, really freaky. I mean, it was like, no, none of us had seen anything like it. And then I remember my brother had to be rushed to the hospital because, you know, he had asthma and couldn't breathe. Cars were destroyed. Roofs were collapsing from the weight of the ash. We actually got really hit hard with a ton of ash. And this was like the closest thing to that, that I've experienced since. And I count myself really lucky that it's been that long, but at the same time, we had the better part of, I think what, 10 days ish where we did not see sun. Not only did we yeah. not see like direct sun or even dappled sun, but it was like, I mean, I noticed that the plants outside probably from the toxicity of the air and the lack of sun, like all of the leaves on the trees and bushes and stuff were really starting to kind of sag. Some of them were turning yellow. Um, uh, you yeah, know, they a lot just all look sad. Like the entire yeah, really, all the plants look sad. They did. The whole world started to kind of like droop, right? It was just bizarre. And then the, most of the creatures just vanished. I mean, insects <sighs> and birds and, you know, I did not see squirrels running around. And finally yesterday, I actually took a couple of pictures of some bees on some passion flowers and there was a hummingbird and I was like, yay, you know, they're so can't, coming right back, of course, but really heartbreaking stuff and all air purifiers and everything we've been looking at are completely sold out. But yeah. as soon as we can get our hands on one, we will now have one. Um, but we can get into some of the like witchy ways that we were trying to kind of like um, mitigate some of this stuff. But as time went on, my partner and I were definitely could feel this heaviness in our chest and we're like sneezing and coughing. 
we had towels along the door jams to try to prevent outside air from getting in. And it's a pretty terrifying like thing. We're like, you know, we were like taking vitamin D because we're just like, we're getting like zero sunlight right now. And I don't know what, you know, how long you need to go before that really starts hitting you, but it's weird times, right? We're just like, what is happening right now? So, yeah. And then of course, just to where it hits closer to home, we still of course count ourselves very, very lucky because we're right in the city in Portland, but we have friends who, you know, weren't so lucky. Like we have friends out in like Gates and other places where, you know, some towns burnt down to the ground. And that's one thing that makes this round of fires more unique. They're like, yes, we get fires every year, but like several towns were completely flattened by this, like raised, burnt down. And that is less common. I mean, right in Portland, we were watching for evacuation orders and a, a, a huge, like, well, relatively large metro like Portland. That's, that's wild. I mean, it's pretty shocking. And uh, so, yeah, it's pretty terrifying stuff. And again, we came out of it pretty lucky, but so incredibly many people, as you highlighted, Angel, were directly affected, had to be evacuated, lost their homes. Even if their home is there, there's tremendous smoke damage, just on and on. And then, of course, like you said, all these gorgeous places. We had two different camping trips because we we're like, let's get all of our camping in right before school starts. And two of our camping trips had to be canceled because of this. Right. And so this time we we thought we would be out there in in these areas, like, in fact, those areas were on fire. Like, it's really heartbreaking. So times are changing and we are being forced to reckon with and uh, look at our behavior in, in response. Right. And the thing that's, it's unsettling to directly acknowledge this, but it is important, too, that these are climate fires, as the governor of California was stating, and the intensity and severity of these wildfires is just going to continue to increase with each year because we are past the tipping point in terms of trying to mediate some of this climate change that has, you know, right now we just have to survive it. And Hopefully, with this next uh, election cycle, we'll actually have an administration, hopefully, that will listen to science and start implementing policies to mitigate the effects of climate change. But this is going to be the new norm. And my parents are in the New Orleans area, of course. And so I've had to watch with Ajept Hara at the hurricane season this year. And there's they're already past where they've had every single letter in the alphabet. And now they're using Greek letters to name all of the hurricanes. Wow. And we still have a good solid month of hurricane season left. So... It's been a really difficult and challenging thing to have to deal with all this political turmoil, to have to deal with, of course, you know, the racial justice movement and um, the sort of rising fascist tide of that we're seeing. And on top of that, we are really beginning to see the nightmare scenario of climate change 
Um, and then, of course, the last thing I just wanted to mention was the fact that there had been some really malicious rumors swirling around about Black Lives Matters activists setting these fires, and that was completely untrue and completely unfounded. I, I mean, I suspect anyone that's listening to this podcast would agree with me, but there was just all this misinformation, and my mother actually had to deal with this back in um when she went to go get her hair cut because the hairdresser was basically trying to say you know parrot all of this conspiracy theories about how black lives matter protesters were going around with uh, chainsaws and starting these fires and my mother stood up to her and was like nope that's absolutely not true my daughter lives in oregon she's been living at the you know forefront of this whole tragedy and that is completely untrue and it made the hairdresser really uncomfortable, but I, I totally applaud my mom for not letting this woman just completely disseminate this false information. Because, you know, we can't blame this on a person. Now, that is not to say that some of the fires weren't being caused by people. I think one of them in Medford was actually intentionally started, but it wasn't by Antifa or anything. It was actually an individual who was struggling with substance abuse and homelessness. It wasn't a coordinated conspiracy of Antifa to burn down the forest, which also just makes no sense because Antifa's not really a movement. It's just a response. And But yeah, anyway, <laughs> complete bullshit. And the fact that these rumors have just continued to circulate and people have just continued to spread this misinformation, is, it's just been really frustrating. And I just want to say that these fires, they are because of climate change. No one is setting them. No one is intentionally trying to cause mass fires across the state. Uh, down in California, of course, one of the fires was caused by a gender reveal party that used an explosive device. And I mean, we won't even get into all the problematic issues surrounding that. But here in Oregon, the fires were caused by the dry conditions, the windy conditions, as well as their power lines sparking the fires, as well as, you know, just people being thoughtless and setting fires without, um, you know, with campfires and such. And this all just culminated into this giant inferno or several infernos across the state. So luckily on the new moon, we finally did get some rain and we're starting to be able to actually assess all of the damage. And if you are interested in donating to help the people who are victims of these fires across the state, we'll be sure to put down some links to some reputable places where you can actually donate on the show notes. I'm glad you highlighted all of that. And one thing that I think is super important to note is like, these really kind of bizarre and um, really ludicrous like claims, right? Of like, oh, like these are leftists or BLM protesters or, you know, literal anti-fascists who are trying to fight the rise of fascism in this country. 
like blaming these groups for these fires is especially pernicious because Mm -hmm. the fact is it's like these are literally the very people who are like okay we are being forced to set aside for a minute uh, due to this like really incredibly uh, dangerous immediate threat um the are protesting against the you know murder and targeting of black people and other people of color and uh, other marginalized populations and they've literally turned on a dime and have been out delivering food and water and medicine and medical care to these communities right so even no doubt people that are that hold some pretty problematic views they're not out saying like you know give me a rundown of your political beliefs and your voting history no like they've been out literally just showing up in communities with things that these communities need and just helping out wherever they can and meanwhile literally as they're doing that some of the more messed up elements within these communities are going out and setting up full-on uh militarized checkpoints with like ar-15 and other mm-hmm. assault all this stuff and stopping people who are on their way to literally deliver food and water and things like that and telling them to make a u-turn and get out of there or even like you know pointing their guns at them and intimidating them threatening violence and and the other thing that that i should mention is sadly but not surprisingly there was like a sheriff's deputy in who in uniform was going around telling people that these fires were being started by like antifa and leftists and all this stuff and of course the department themselves other politicians, uh, all these people stepped up and said, this was totally out of line. This person's being disciplined. This is not at all true. There's zero evidence for that. But, you know, of course that fueled it, right? You can guess that that's the video that really went viral among some of these kind of more reactionary far-right folks. And then there was actually a, I can't remember his name, but he was a high-level um, Republican political candidate in Oregon, was also putting this stuff out there. And so the, there were actually people like in uniform, people who had some sort of a political presence who were fueling these these ideas. And, you know, it's, it's tragic because they're literally using this stuff to promote, you know, hateful ideas and violent ideology and all this stuff. Meanwhile, the people that they're literally targeting with this with this stuff these malicious rumors are out there doing the good work that they should be doing rather than you know terrorizing people with these militarized armed checkpoints yeah it's uh, it's interesting times we're living in very yeah. interesting times so if you would like to share your experience in the recent fires and how witchcraft has helped you cope or you are enjoying the content we are creating on the science witch podcast we'd appreciate it if you'd rank and review us on the platform that you are listening to us on also if you have any questions comments or ideas for future shows please let us know at questions at sciencewitchpodcast.com and with that let's go to our topic for today so as i mentioned at the start of this episode the topic for today was inspired by the new docuseries on netflix and i'm really addicted to all of the docu-series that Netflix puts out. Uh, but this one was called Unwell, and it was a examination of all these different wellness trends in the United States, well, throughout the world, but specifically in the United States. And it brought up some of the problematic things associated with some of these wellness trends like um one of the other episodes that actually talks about ayahuasca discusses how uh the a lot of these white tourists who come down to 
the South America in order to find an Awascara or, you know, essentially they're not respecting the traditions and how it's been problematic and appropriative. So I highly recommend checking out this docu-series because I, I feel like it's a really important thing for those of us who are sort of in these wellness trends as well as the new age community to be critical as well as, you know, challenge when we see things that are appropriative or harmful coming out of these different wellness trends. So the particular trend we wanted to talk about today with the essential oils was because essential oils have become a million billion dollar industry here in the US and they've been co-opted by these mar multi-level marketing companies who take advantage of often usually middle class white women who are searching for a way to supplement their income and are sold into believing that these unsubstantiated claims about the value and miraculous properties of essential oils and one of the people that they actually interview who um, uses a lot of these essential oils was uh, a Christian man. And he literally puts these essential oils in all of his children's food. He sprays them down with them all the time. And he um, doesn't actually sell the essential oils themselves. He markets himself as uh, someone who actually sells these master classes, which you then pay for. And of course, you know, there's lots of people who buy into this. And the problem is that essential oils, for one, the amount of um, things that they're claiming essential oils do is not uh, supported with scientific evidence. So we'll talk a little bit about what is actually supported with scientific evidence when it comes to essential oils. Uh, but essential oils are much older than these trends, and they've been utilized by ancient peoples all over the world for thousands of years. Much of the earliest documented use of essential oils comes from ancient Egypt, where oils were used in anointing as well as in incense. And in the Egyptian alchemical practices, smell was tied to divinity. And the pharaohs were anointed with highly prized oils. Uh, there's also been documented evidence that when Egyptians were experiencing or near to their gods, they would often smell their gods. So scent was very important to the spiritual practices of the ancient Egyptians. So they were some of the first people that were utilizing these scented oils. And I, I saw some different uh, dates as far as how long we've been using them. Some say that we've been using them for as long as 10,000 years. Some say that we've been using them for the first documented evidence was, of course, about 5,000 years ago with ancient Egypt. Uh, they were often used to help body odor as well as soften the skin. And some of the most common scents used among Egyptians in these ancient times were thyme, lavender, peppermint, cedar, rose, and almond oil. And they were of course used in death 
when they anointed the bodies of the mummified dead, as well as in life. And um, there's also this practice in Egyptian alchemy of getting to the very essence of a plant. And that was sort of what drove the alchemical and spiritual science of making these um, essential oils. Most of them were produced in Egypt by a type of solvent extraction method using animal fat. However, distillation pots have been found back as far as 3500 before Common Era. And then China and India also have records of essential oils used in both medicinal and spiritual practices. So how essential oils are made? The concentrated essence of the plant, essential oils are obtained through usually distillation via steam or water or mechanical methods such as cold pressing, which is how you get uh, jojoba oil actually, is pressing the beans. The use of uh, essential oils in therapeutic ways is an ancient practice known as aromatherapy. So aromatherapy is basically the study of how essential oils can be used in therapeutic ways. So when inhaled, the scent molecules in essential oil travel from the olfactory nerves directly to the brain and especially impact the amygdala, the emotional center of the brain. So clinical trials have looked at whether essential oils can alleviate conditions such as anxiety, depression, nausea, insomnia, low appetite, and dry mouth. And as far as what has been found to be the most effective essential oil is with lavender. And so I linked actually a uh, scientific study that found that several animal and human investigations suggest that this is um, a mood stabilizer, a sedative, as well as can have anti-convulsive and neuroprotective properties when you inhale the scent of lavender. These studies raise the possibility of the revival of lavender as a therapeutic efficacy in neurological disorders. And of course, you see this; these properties of lavender are also found in their magical correspondences. Lavender is considered a healing herb. It's considered an herb that's tied to sleep. It's an herb that is considered to be calming and is really good for sort of like self-love in healing rituals. And that is all supported with what the aromatherapy and scientific evidence supporting that in lavender. So to caution, however, essential oils have been shown to cause allergic reactions, and you should always use them with caution. And um, I actually linked an article from Live Science, which talks about the health, uh, detrimental health effects that essential oils can have. So basically, when it comes to essential oils, it's really important you never use the direct concentrated essential oils on your skin or internally. The, if you are applying the essential oils onto your skin, you want to make sure you always use a carrier oil. And this is something that they did not talk about in that episode of Unwell. But whenever we as witches utilize 
these essential oils. Uh, if we're going to say anoint a candle or anoint our skin, you always want to make sure that you use a carrier oil. And now carrier oils can include olive oil, jojoba, almond oil, grapeseed oil. Um, if you use jojoba oil, um, it's going to be directly for your skin, but you never want to use the essential oil on its own. You always want to dilute it. And this includes if you're using it in a diffuser, if you are um, putting it into a water for a bath, the essential oil is too concentrated to be able to use in of itself. So whenever you're utilizing these oils in your practice, it's really important to keep that in mind. So according to this, some oils may cause skin irritation or allergic reactions, which is why people should test their sensitivity to an oil on a small patch of skin before they use it, the oil more broadly. And that includes even the oils in the carrier oils. You never want to use the concentrated oil on your skin, but even just with the carrier oil, it's important to kind of know if you're going to have a reaction to it that you didn't know of before. So always use it sparingly. So continuing uh, to talk about essential oils within the practice of witchcraft, I wanted to mention a book actually that I found really useful in helping incorporate more essential oils in my craft. And that's one that recently came out this past February by Paige Vanderbeck, who is the host of The Fat Feminist Witch. And it's the book called Green Witchcraft. And it talks about using essential oils and spell work, including anointing uh, and making candles, satchels, or spell pouch pouches or in ritual baths. Flowers have correspondences with their energy that can be invoked through the aroma. So using the example of lavender again, if you're doing a ritual to say focus on self-healing, you can use some of that scented lavender maybe in a diffuser, maybe as um, one of those candle where you heat the oil and it releases the scent into it where the, the candle heats a little bowl of the oil and releases the scent. And by smelling that scent, you are connecting with that vibration and that energy of that certain uh, uh, floral essence. And so that's a good way to increase the, it's a good way to incorporate these floral correspondences into your witchcraft. So check out that book if you're interested in various different spells or in um, ideas for utilizing essential oils that don't necessarily go on your skin. I know I made a really cute little uh, sleep pillow or dream pillow and I put some of the essential oil the lavender oil in the spell pillow in the little sleep pillow and I get to smell that when I go to bed and it helps me have better dreams one thing that's like really kind of tragic is like I've had friends who just absolutely fell in love with a given thing for example lavender and didn't know the information that you're sharing out today which is so incredibly important 
and we're applying like direct, just like um, undiluted lavender oil on their skin or otherwise ingesting it. And one of these friends now is severely allergic to lavender and just can't be around it at all in any way. Like I have this lavender um, hand sanitizer, which I just really love. It's very effective. And, you know, obviously we're using hand sanitizer right now. So it's this calming scent and all this stuff. It just seems so perfect to me for the time we're in. And this friend is like, you know, can you not use that around me? And I'm like, oh God, yeah, of course. Like I didn't know actually up until that point that, that um, they were allergic to lavender. Um, so that's another reason why it's so important to like be mindful of, of how we use these things and use them well. In, in terms of using oils in the smoke and remediation, like we saw last week, essential oils cannot clean the air or cleanse it from the smoke particles. The only way that you can really truly clean, like clean your air from the smoke is to buy an air purifier. And of course, as you said, those were all pretty much sold out throughout the entire Pacific Northwest because everyone was at that point needing one. Um, however, it has been useful to use, you know, like you said, the cauldron, the cauldron method where you're boiling herbs as well as essential oils that have been diluted in the boiling water. And this helps hydrate the air as well as uh, the moisture can bond to some of the larger particles of ash and it can increase this sort of sense of um, something other than burning trees in the air. And that can be very therapeutic in terms of uh, just helping shift your mood from the fact that the world's burning down. So if you are going to use, if you find yourself in another situation where we have just lots of smoke in the air, it can be very useful to hydrate the air with a pot of boiling water with the essential oils but just keep in mind that in order to clean the air of the smoke you do need to have an actual filter so the other thing i wanted to talk about in terms of essential oils before we wrap up is uh it's important to get your essential oils from a good source. I recommend going through um, the various different witchy shops. I know Raven's Wing here in Portland has an essential oil line that you can uh, purchase directly from their website. And it's good to get your essential oils from verified sources. Like if you can get lavender oil from an actual lavender farm, that's really great. Cause then you know exactly where the lavender is coming from and you can even go out and pick some of it on your own. But uh, you wanna try to avoid getting your essential oils from these companies like doTERRA because a lot of times, even if you just wanted to buy their product, and I'm not saying that their product isn't quality, it is, however, anytime you engage with somebody that's in one of these MMLs, they're going to want to try to get you in further. They're wanting to get you to buy more stuff or they're going to want to get you to come to their different little workshops and eventually they're going to want you to sell their stuff. So, you know, 
I don't personally like MMLs because I, I or multi-level marketing companies because I feel that they're predatory in a lot of ways. And uh, the episode actually talks about some of the people who were in these, uh, you know, companies who basically spent all this money to try to keep their inventory up and lost thousands and thousands of dollars. So I would caution going to any of these companies like that in order to get your essential oils. Try to support either local farms, if you can find them, or witchy shops, or uh, online on Etsy. There's several really good vendors that get their products, such as, um, I'll, I just got some, I'll have to put the links in because I can't remember off the top of my head. But I would really uh, encourage you to, to seek the local sources because of course you know when you're doing a witchcraft that deals with nature it's best to try to get it from the most localized source so with that i think we will uh go ahead and sign off for today thank you all so much for listening to this episode we really appreciate your support and if you get a chance you Please like us and give us a rating on the various platforms that you listen to us on. Also, if you have any questions and you would like to suggest a topic for a future show, feel free to email us at questions at sciencewitchpodcast.com. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, tuning in, y'all. It's really a joy to uh, share this information with you to be in community with you. I feel like that's so true right now, maybe more than ever with everything happening in the world. It's definitely comforting to feel like there's a, a community forming around this. So yeah, do take advantage of the chances to reach out and let us know what's resonating, what you'd like to learn more about, what maybe we haven't touched on at all and you'd love to hear us address. Um, really into that. So hope you're each taking very good care during this time and uh, doing as well as we can with all that's happening in the world. Awesome. Well, thank you all again. Live long and prosper and blessed be. Blessed be, y'all. Take care.